Well, my name's Scott DeBoe, and this is my wife, Laura. We're, uh, we're very excited to be here uh, tonight, and I think the biggest encouragement for us is just seeing all of you and uh, understanding. Look, there's many of you are coming from, uh, uh, coming from work, busy schedules. It's an effort, and it's a commitment to be here. So thanks for being here tonight, um, and we're super excited, and it's a privilege to share our story with you. Uh, we believe in the work that God is doing through this ministry. We've been a part of this ministry for, I don't know, five or six years, and we've just, we just continue. We've witnessed and continue to witness what God is doing um, through marriages, what God is doing through this ministry. And uh, so we hope our story tonight is an encouragement to you, is a reminder of hope, and, uh, and that you find hope. So, uh, all right. Well, Scott and I celebrated 15 years of marriage in March. We have an 11-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter that we're just crazy about. Um, It's hard to believe that two 20-somethings who met in a bar more than 17 years ago, um, when they were far from God, could have a story of grace and a marriage that seeks to honor the Lord, but that's exactly ours. While we don't have a story of a marriage that fully hit rock bottom, our marriage is a testament to God's mercy and faithfulness and and an example of James 4.8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So I was born in Tampa, Florida, the youngest child, youngest boy, two older sisters, uh, baby boy in my mother's eyes, if uh, you're familiar with that setup. So I, I was very fortunate. My, my mother uh, wasn't raised in a home that really told her a lot or taught her a lot about God, but she believed it was important, did her absolute best to just uh, to influence that in my life. And very grateful for that. Um, my father, not so much. Uh, he was really there, uh, you know, physically, but absent in terms of what to think about God or church or where it fits and is it important um, or, or living that out. Um, he has his own reasons for that, and I think he's in a different place now. But uh, but growing up, my parents' marriage was, was really unhealthy. Uh, by the time I was eight, I was smart enough to figure out something was going on with my dad outside of our home. Um, it eventually led to, uh, led to divorce um, by the time I was 10. So very confusing time for me growing up between the ages of 8 and 10. Um, parents divorced. Uh, I was physically abused by an older man that lived down the street. Um, my oldest sister ran away. Just a lot of confusion. So I see this period of my life as the earliest times when my people-pleasing nature started to emerge. So, um, you know, using humor to deflect hurt or embarrassment, um, avoiding conflict. Well, these are, these are patterns set deeply in, in uh, my early childhood that would later emerge in our marriage and uh, other relationships. I was born in Austin, and two years later, my sister was born. When I was four, my family moved to Alexandria, Virginia for my dad's job. While I recall doing things together as a family growing up, I realized as I grew older that my parents' marriage was not good. They fought often, and my parents drank too much and was unfaithful to my mom. I remember a general feeling of living our lives walking on eggshells. I began a pattern of striving for perfection and peace-faking, doing anything I could to not rock the boat at home. My parents separated for a time, but my mom took her vows seriously and wanted to save their marriage. During our years in Virginia... She took us to church regularly. We went to a mainline denomination and were very active, but I can't really recall a time when my dad went with us. 
Amazingly, my parents stayed together, and the summer I turned 11, we returned to Texas, this time settling in Plano. Things seemed to improve when we moved, but they were still not great. My sister and I did not get along very well, which caused further strain on my mom and my parents' marriage. My mom's sister and I attended church some, but not like we had in Virginia, and we drifted. I would have undoubtedly said I was a Christian, but it was because that's what I was raised as. I was American, I wasn't Jewish or anything else, so I had to be a Christian, right? So, so I joined the Navy right after high school. Uh, greatest, one of the top four decisions I ever made in my life, I think. So I do well in a structured environment. <laughs> so uh, great decision for me, um, but I was also surrounded by, uh, you know, very young and uh, very uh, easily influenced so I lived like a sailor and uh, did those things until a lieutenant I worked for continued to invite me to a Bible study, which I thought was incredibly strange, very uncomfortable. So finally, I just said, all right, to get, <laughs> to get him to shut up. And, uh, but God had something in store for me that night. I heard somebody else just share the simplicity of the gospel. Uh, I wasn't even in the conversation. I just heard it, and it clicked. Um, I, was, I was young. I was very young. I was 18, uh, 18 years old. So, um, so I became a believer when I was very young, and uh, that did not mean that I, I had an automatic, healthy view of right relationships with the opposite sex. Um, and I ended up married by the time I was 20. Uh, early on in that marriage, while I was deployed, uh, discovered there was infidelity in that marriage. And uh, to her credit, she was honest about that. And, you know, as I look back on that, not having godly people or instruction during this time in my life just really fueled, uh, fueled anger, fueled rebellion. And um, I hardened my heart, I divorced her, and I tried to run from God for just an eight miserable years. That's a miserable treadmill to be on. Um, you know, I understand now that, that God's best, God's design as he made it, it, is always reconciliation. I mean, I think that's why that Second Corinthians 5, 5 verse just, God reminds me of that over and over. You ever have a verse come back to you or something like that come back? It's like, that's God repeating himself. And uh, I forget easily. <laughs> so God repeats himself often with me. Um, but look, if you're here tonight and, and divorce has is, is been mentioned, um, if it's on the table, I, I, would just, I would just encourage you, would take a breath, ask God for help, and, and take it off the table. If you don't know what to do or even how to consider that, there's people here that, that will listen to you, and, and you don't have to know exactly what to do, but God will teach you the next steps to take. I believe that. So, um, so, you know, by the time I was 28, right, so fast forward through my military career, you know, I was, I was divorced, highly insecure, and just kind of really felt um, useless. I, I didn't believe anybody could ever love me, and, and uh, one, of the, one of the few prayers during this time of my life was, so God, if I were to ever get married again, it would have to be to the most understanding woman in the entire world. So, that's your turn. <laughs> um, going into high school with some heavy baggage, I was primed to make bad choices. I developed a pattern of control and manipulation and turned to drinking, experimenting with drugs, and inappropriate relationships, maintaining an attitude of hurt or be hurt. 
My habits having been established, this pattern continued into college and beyond up to the point I met Scott. By the time I went to UT, my dad was more engaged with our family, even attending church with us when we went for Christmas and Easter. Those were the only times I was attending church, but the Lord was pursuing me during and after college, and I found myself pondering him often. When Scott and I were dating, I was grappling with the idea that Christ was the only way to God, as the Bible said, because I wondered if we only agreed with that, because it was the religion we were raised on. What about people in other parts of the world that had only heard about Buddhism or Islam? What about Judaism? Who are we to say that those religions weren't right, at least for those people? My questions were nagging me enough that I finally asked Scott's thoughts on my struggles. After he thought for a few minutes, he explained to me that Christianity is the only faith where we don't try to earn our salvation. We cannot be good enough or perform our way to God. Jesus already did all the work by his death and resurrection. Then Scott shared with me about the relationship that following Jesus requires. I still remember him starting his explanation with something along the lines of, the best I can recall, this is the gospel. (laughs) By God's grace, something and the way Scott described it to me allowed my heart to grab an understanding that I had never had of the Lord's personal sacrifice for me. I knew in the deepest part of my soul that he was sharing truth. I really heard that the Lord desired more than adherence to a religion. He wanted a relationship with me. There was a decision to be made. Psalm 34.8 tells us, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Now that I finally grasped the truth, I really had no choice at all. In February of 2000, I finally accepted Jesus as my Savior. So to circle back to passage in 2 Corinthians 5.19. It's just such an important verse. God just continues to repeat to me, and it's, he's like a good parent, right? So parents in here, I'm sure you repeat things over and over to your kids that are super important that they need to understand and be reminded of. God's just like that. So, um, so here it is, 2 Corinthians 5.19. Uh, God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that we might bring others to him. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So uh, have you ever felt like this? Man, I've been such a turd. How could God ever forgive me? right? Uh, Or I have so much work to do uh, in my life before I can get serious about God. And, you know, if if you've said that inside or a variation of that, you're in good company. Um, But listen, surrender to God, you know, it means he cleans us up from the inside out. And um, trusting in God means that he, he, uh, trusting he's going to show us what those next steps are. He brings us to a place where we could never get to on our own. And this passage is one that God began to teach me from as as patterns from my previous devotion to self started to emerge in our marriage. And God started to show me how destructive some of these these patterns were, such as uh, when I was angry, I would yell and slam doors, um, just really no self-control, you know, just kind of just being being a jerk. (laughs) If it was a heated discussion, I would resort to character attacks on Laura and just try to to belittle her. Um, Really cowardly attempts 
being a bully with my words, uh, just the absolute opposite of being loving or a self-controlled man. Um, but that's where, that's where I would go, and I needed to be instructed. Um, so I remember the exact moment and place I was standing when Laura, just in one of those moments, uh, Laura spoke truth and love to me about how I really behaved here. And um, she reminded me of Ephesians 4.15 that says, Look, speak truth in love and let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ. So, you know, I can, I can say things emphatically or with volume that you know, may have been truthful, but there was no love involved. And it was, uh, it was very divisive and hurtful. So uh, Laura loved me the best way she could have in those moments. And it was her transparency. It was her obedience to the Lord there to really that, look, she was trusting and following God and, try, and she was leading me in that moment too, um, really just pointing to Scripture. And this is what God says, and uh, you're not lining up with it. Um, and she said, she said it so lovingly. So it, it got my attention. God's used Lord to help me grow in the areas of, uh, of where I needed to grow. So here's a few other things God has shown me about being a husband. So one, there's never been a time where I felt compelled to correct Laura on something where I first didn't need to ask God to do a gut check on me, right? So, so that means uh, either log, on the own eye, log out of my own eye, asking God to, uh, look, I think I see this. Am I sure I'm seeing things clearly? And, um, you know, instead of Mr. Fix-It showing up and saying what's wrong and how to fix it, um, just taking a moment and saying, God, am I, I really seeing clearly? Because that requires humility and that that reminds me that when I speak, it's for her edification and, and uh, service. Um, and there's plenty of times where I'm just wrong and I need to stop and pause. And, uh, or I don't have all the information, right? So um, the other thing is quarreling and arguments. For us, we've just noticed that you know, when we start devoting more time on trying to take ground spiritually or in our marriage, um, you know, sometimes it just seems like arguments, crazy arguments just pop up out of nowhere. And uh, we recognize that as, look, we're, what's the main thing here? We're trying to grow and we trust God here. Um, so we, we developed a little slogan called Team DeBeau, which uh, when she says that or when I say that, it's like, all right, um, we, don't, we don't feel uh, real connected right now, but we know who we're connected to and uh, we, we trust in that third thing here is uh, I think God's really teaching me when my leadership, when my spiritual leadership in our home is waning, right? It's not where it needs to be. My family's spiritual status gets thin. Um, I can see. So sorry. (laughs) It caught me. Um, but I can see just the look on her face, or I can, it's almost like I can feel a deflation in my son's heart if I don't lead well. So that's very clearly where God has me uh, focused right now, um, knowing that when he, he's a good and loving father and he reminds us and shows us, look, uh, it's time to step up here or you're focused on good things, but look, you're replacing these good things for the best things. And um, he's just a good God and reminds us of those things. All he wants us to, is to trust him and continually trust him. And he's good. 
Um, so, and the last thing is, look, when I withhold love or service to Laura, at waiting to feel respected, um, I'm the biggest part of the problem. So, all right. We have a loving Heavenly Father that unteaches or unwires us from the patterns set by this world, both before marriage and during. This is a lifelong journey, but fighting the good fight is so worth it. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I had a pattern of negative interpretation and would also often either escalate or withdraw during conflict. I came to understand that when I negatively interpret Scott's words or actions, I am not choosing to believe the best about him or see him as my teammate. Some other things that God has been teaching me about marriage... Um, memorizing scripture uh, helps to defend against autopilot defensiveness. I'm very defensive. Um, and Matthew 7, 1 through 5, talks about getting the log out of my own eye. My biggest struggles um, when we had conflict was my ability to see my part. I was so quick to argue and defend my position, absolutely certain that I was right. It may be the opposite of quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, another thing that I need to constantly remember is that the goal of communication is mutual understanding. Um, operating from Philippians 2.4, look to the interests of others, not just your own, uh, helps me to reset previous patterns to true conflict resolution. Understanding how our methods of communication and conflict resolution, resolution were toxic we learn to each start looking at and owning our own contribution to the fight and seek to resolve it biblically. Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Um, this can be a tough one, um, as not every situation can be handled by bedtime. However, being in agreement that we will pursue God in this matter and trust he will make things clear as we pursue him helps take the edge off. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a great closer in these cases. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he will make your paths straight. We trust he will show us and know that we can't see everything or solve our problems. Community is vital. Learning about God's principles and ways through re-engage and being consistently involved in biblical community is a huge help in terms of accountability and reliability. It's like a breath of fresh air. And it's really amazing to see new life breathed into other marriages as well as our own. We're privileged to witness humility, life change, and reconciliation. It's exciting to watch couples move from blaming one another to becoming those who quickly begin to provide encouragement and hope to others. We see a beautiful picture of believers living out the one another's of scripture as the couples begin to pour into their fellow group members. We encourage you now, if you don't have a church a church home, or close biblical community you're involved in to simply talk to God about what he'd have you do. This is the greatest way you can continue to learn and grow during re-engage and after. So one of the things I respect and admire most about, about Laura, and I think what God's just taught me about her, um, is that, look, one of her deeper struggles, it relates to admitting 
you know, her own part in things, or she, she just genuinely had a struggle with owning her part and, uh, or, or seeking forgiveness in those things. It's an honest struggle, and here's why I love it. One is it's honest. Two, um, there's, no, there's no faking it. Hey, sorry about that. I mean, when she says sorry, she means it. I know she's, she's processed through emotions and details very carefully, it's just very authentic and sincere. And, and I just remember earlier in our marriage, just, man, why can't she just own it? You know, it's so clear. It's so abundantly clear. Why can't she just own it? And it's like, you know, she's just not there. And God taught me patience through that. And just because I expect her to be there, God's role for me would be to, you know, one, shut up. And as uh, you start praying for her, that, you know, whatever God's doing in her heart, that I'm a part of that, that I'm edifying, I'm building into that. Um, so I, I love that about Laura. And uh, we have other little family members that uh, are very quick to say sorry. You know, it's like, hey, you know, sorry about that. Yeah, well, you free? they know that they know the speech, but you just wonder the sincerity. So um, anyway, uh, so, you know, if it, it's wonderful to be around someone who's sincere and honest, I think God has things to teach us about each other, you know, husbands and wives. Um, And we may not feel that right now. We may never have seen that, but he does want to teach us about him and about each other. Uh, He knows what season we're in, and he's so much more interested about where he wants to take us than where we've been or where we're stuck. So, um, look, we're we're here because, uh, like I said, we've, we've been a part of this ministry for, I think, five or six years, and um, we forget a lot, right? So we're truly like sheep and uh, need to be reminded. And so we keep coming back to re-engage just because it's where people go to be reminded of good things and good, good uh, godly principles of marriage. Um, it's where we find encouragement, uh, and it's where we find a place to serve others. So we hope that you find our story encouraging tonight, and thank you for listening. We hope we can hear your story someday too.